Welcome to the Bible Q&A Podcast, the show that answers your questions about the Bible, Christian theology, and church history. This podcast is brought to you by Risen Ministries and Creation Today. Now here are your hosts, Tim Chafee and Eric Hoven. Hey, it's great to have you with us. I'm Eric Hoven. And I'm Tim Chafee. Welcome to episode one of the Bible Q&A podcast. That's right, the very first episode, season one, episode one, Bible Q&A podcast. We're excited. This is really exciting. Tim and I are just getting started with this podcast. So if this is helpful to you, it would mean a lot if you give us a review. And if you find the information and the questions that are answered valuable, it'd be a real blessing to us if you shared that on social media. Uh, that just helps it go farther and hopefully influence more people. If you don't know anything about us, which is very likely, we want you to know that we love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're passionate about teaching others about God and about His Word. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about myself as we get going, and you'll hear more about me and about Eric as we move along. Uh, I've been married for nearly 22 years to my lovely wife, Casey, and we've got two children. Well, one's not so much a child anymore. She's already married and uh, left the house a year and a half ago. And so my daughter is going to be 21 in just a couple of weeks. That is really hard to believe. My son is 15, and he's a sophomore in high school right now. I grew up in a Christian home and really have considered myself to be a Christian all my life, uh, and that I know some people have trouble with that. They think, well, you gotta you gotta know what day you were saved, and and really, I don't know. I mean, I know which day I went forward in church and when I professed faith in Christ, but I can't think of a time in my life when I didn't believe. So I, it's hard for me to point to a certain day. But um, I've been involved in ministry for nearly 20 years as well now. Uh, I've been a, a a Christian school teacher, uh, Bible and science classes for six years. I've been a pastor and an associate pastor, and I've been working the last eight plus years at Answers in Genesis, two and a half years as a writer and editor in the web department, and five and a half years now as the content manager for the attractions division. And a personal fact about Tim that you might want to know if you can tell from his video, the guy is tall. Tim, you're what, six foot eight or six foot nine? Yeah, somewhere in between there. Um, I think now that I'm older, I'm probably closer to the 6'8 than the 6'9. That's funny. And Sorry. I know you're you're happy for your daughter being married, but you're still pretty upset that somebody stole her from you, aren't you? Yeah, she betrayed me. Now she's got yeah. a... <laughs> they're, they're happily married. He's a, he's a believer. He loves the Lord. And I don't want to say any more nice things about him because it hurts me to do that. <laughs> No, what a blessing You'll, to see You've got that. two daughters. You'll learn. So. Oh, man. It's, I'm, I'm not ready for that. Not so why don't you, speaking of your two daughters, why don't you tell us about your family? Yeah, I'm married to an amazing woman, Tanya. We've been married for 19 years here as of July 2018. Got married in 99. Uh, so last century, crazy. I'm blessed with three amazing children, Stephanie, Angie, and Jordan. They are uh, see here, ninth grade, 11th grade, and 6th grade. There they are, ninth, 6th, ninth, and 11th. Uh, I have grown up in an incredible Christian home and have a unique testimony of getting saved in my 20s after listening to Ray Comfort share the message, Hell's Best Kept Secret. That was influential and instrumental in my life and helping me realize that I had become a part of the Christian environment or a product of the Christian environment rather than a true believer in Christ. So really thankful for the fact that God has shown that to me, and now I get to travel around the world and present the truth of the gospel and the truth of creation and the creator to a world that desperately needs to know these truths 
and hopefully use them to to teach people, to turn people to realizing they need to live their life 100% for God and his glory alone. And a little fact you may want to know about Eric, and I don't know if he wants me to share this, but he just hit the big <laughs> 4-0 earlier this year. Woo! Um, 40, so, baby! Yeah, to me it's not so big because I passed that about four years ago. Almost five, <laughs> year, almost five years ago. I don't want to admit yeah, that. Yeah, is, <laughs> is it getting rough down the hill over there, Tim? Uh, only when I wake up in the morning or after I <laughs> do some exercise or when, no, <laughs> just about any time. Well, when you hit something big down there, give me a warning to, I will. to let me know what's coming, all right? <laughs> yep. I'm just picking up now steam. This, <laughs> this may tell you a little bit about us, but it doesn't really tell you why you should listen to anything we absolutely have to say. So I'd like to take a minute and tell you the truth about why you should listen to Tim. And then, Tim, uh, you can try to figure out some reason why they should somehow listen to me, okay? Uh, the point of the podcast really is pretty simple, and it's it's Tim. He is, uh, you've got your THM degree, and Tim is a Bible scholar. He's a theologian. He loves studying the Word of God and teaching it to others. And I've leaned on Tim many, many times to help me answer questions and go through nuances of the Bible. Uh, Tim has been the writer for the content in the Ark Encounter. Uh, if you've ever been there, every sign there, Tim had to write. Uh, and he's just blessed with an incredible memory and a great love for the Scripture. I, I love, Tim, being able to ask you questions about the Bible, which is what this podcast is all about, and get your take on it and get your, your view of it. There's so many things that Tim has corrected me on when it comes to what we do know and what we don't know about, for example, the book of Genesis. How many times have I thought or I've preached, hey, it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. Well, did it really take him 120 years? Tim has a very interesting answer on that. Uh, it's one that we'll get into in another show, but just question after question that I think are just so valuable. So Tim, I love the work that you've been doing and how you've invested your life in others by teaching them. So thanks for putting this podcast together. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for the glowing reviews. I think that I'm probably going to owe you about $20 for all of those things yeah, you said about me. Yeah, I tried me. to go big on that. Yeah, you did. Um, I'm just I, wondering what you're going to make up about me. Well, that's what I'm trying to figure out. You said I have good, yeah. me- <laughs> that I got a good memory, but I can't remember anything good. <laughs> um, well, Eric called me a, a scholar and a theologian. I don't use those terms for myself because I, I don't have a PhD. I don't live in the academic world in that sense. So I try to shy away from those terms, but um, I appreciate the kind words, Eric. Uh, something that, uh, that I want you to know about Eric is he is one of the most genuine people uh, one of, that you'll meet, one of the uh, most likable people that, that you'll find. He is very sincere, uh, loves the Lord, loves doing ministry, loves people. And in fact, that's, um, that's what it, really what I want to share with you is that uh, Eric, Eric loves people, even uh, those who agree with him, those who disagree. He is comfortable in his own skin when it's a, around believers and also when it's around, uh, you know, diehard skeptics who want to do nothing more than just, uh, you know, trash him or trash his Christian faith or anything about him. And yet he will uh, display the, the gentleness and the love of Christ toward them, which goes a long way because even though many of those people uh, can't stand what we believe, they genuinely have learned to like Eric and uh, because he treats them with a gentleness and respect that, that we're supposed to. So I really appreciate about that about you, Eric. And I want uh, our listeners to know that, that we want this podcast to have the same approach in that sense. We don't want this to, to turn into an attack on other believers, attack on skeptics, anything like that. We, you know, we do have uh, some guidelines that we've put in place for ourselves, haven't we, Eric? 
Yes, and by the way, thank you. I, I was just going to say that transitions perfect into what we want to do and what we want this podcast to be about. You and I get to interact with skeptics on a regular basis and answer their questions. But really, that's you kind of have a different vision for this podcast, don't you? I do. It's not that we're avoiding questions from the skeptics, but we don't want to turn this into a podcast that, that's just about answering questions from the skeptics. We really want this to be more about questions that believers are struggling with, questions that believers have about the Bible, about church history, about Christian theology, things that they've been wrestling with, they've been struggling with. Maybe they heard somebody on the radio or their pastor or a friend or you know, a, a loved one has told them something about the Bible and they, they think, you know, I just, I'm not sure what to think about that. Let me send these guys an email and get their, their take on it and uh, see if that lines up with scripture. So really, the, the focus is this, this is going to be more on the believer than it will be on the unbeliever. But, you know, we're, we're not going to avoid questions from skeptics. But I just want, if, if you're a skeptic and you're listening, you know, you're welcome to con- continue to do so. Thank, thank you for listening. But um, if you just spam the inbox, as, as some of you guys do, not all of them, but, you know, we've, <laughs> we've been around enough. Happen. We know that happens. But if you spam the inbox over and over and over again, we're not going to go through all your questions right in a row. Okay, they're going to probably be spread out over multiple shows. So you'll have to exercise some patience. We know you just copied and pasted from Google anyway. That's how that typically goes. <laughs> uh, hey, Tim, I know one of our goals here is to, to kind of have a set amount of time and really to value that time. So just for you listeners uh, to know, we really do want to value your time. We want to get to some ant- questions and some answers that I think you'll really enjoy. They're questions that I enjoy hearing about. So I just I assume you're going to enjoy hearing and getting these answers to these questions as well. Uh, along with that, though, we'd love uh, for you to have a few responsibilities. Uh, Tim, because you're going to tell them what they have to do, and I like being the nice guy that everybody likes, I'm going to make you tell them what their responsibilities are. <laughs> sure. Well, you mentioned that we want to value their time. You know, we're, we're going to see how this goes, but our initial goal is to have programs that run roughly 25 minutes, but we know sometimes it's going to go a little bit long, sometimes it might go a little bit shorter, but our goal is to hit somewhere within that 25-minute range, maybe give or take, 20 minutes. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be that. It shouldn't be that different. Um, and we also have a, a couple different types of episodes that we're, we're imagining. Uh, some of them would be interviews with, with experts in different areas. And uh, some of them we talked about doing, Eric, would be like, on, you know, putting me in the hot seat where I don't get to see the questions ahead of time. And you just uh, get to fire them off and, and see how I do. And um, so I'm a little bit nervous about those, but I, th- I think they're going to be fun. So response. Hey, you're going to do great. I love those. Well, no hard questions on those ones. Uh, right. I'll softball them <laughs> up for you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, listener responsibilities. So uh, really the three things. One, if you've got questions, as I mentioned before, send them in. Uh, Eric, you can tell them the email address is? BQA for Bible Q&A, BQA at creationtoday.org. So nice and simple, BQA at creationtoday.org. It rhymes. BQA it at creation today. There we go. So you can remember that. Send your questions in. And one thing I used to tell my students is that the only bad question, other than the inappropriate ones, well, let's face it, some some high school students will do that. The only inappro- yeah. the only bad question is the one you don't ask. So if you've got questions about the Bible, about church history, about Christian theology, send them on in. Uh, number two, don't take my word for it or anyone else's word for it. So Eric mentioned, you know, my my degrees, my training, that kind of thing. He he talked me up you know, really big is if I've got answers to everything. I don't. And, you know, there's a lot of things I've got to look up and there are a lot of people who know more than I do. But, um, you know, I, I've been blessed with the opportunity to study God's word 
and to teach it for over 20 years now and I, I, I love doing it so I you know I, I can act as if I'm an expert but even if I was even if I was the the best Bible teacher around um, don't take my word for it go to the scriptures and compare every single thing you hear on this show to the scriptures be like the Bereans were in Acts chapter 17 the Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? Because they searched the scriptures daily to, to see if the things that Paul was teaching were true. And, and if you can check out what Paul was teaching and be commended for it, then you, you better believe you can check out what Eric and I tell you or anybody else around today because Paul, uh, he was, a, well, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He knew a lot more than we do. <laughs> and the third responsibility, uh, Eric and I, we, we talked about this a little bit for ourselves, we want to show and, and practice charity toward those who disagree. Um, we would ask the same for you guys. Uh, if you're listening to this program and you're dealing with others, uh, show them uh, the the charity that uh, they that you should. They're human beings made in the image of God, but also show that toward us as well. You know, there's going to be times where we answer a question and you may not agree with with how we answer it. Uh, usually, what I'll do, and, and you'll see this, is I try to give uh, different. View, viewpoints that Christians have. I want to educate. I don't want to just indoctrinate. And I want you to decide for yourself. I'll, I'll let you know which one I think most of the time. And sometimes when that happens, people get rather upset and they take things personally. Well, this isn't personal. This is we're, we're studying God's word. We're opening that up together. We're trying to make sense of it. And if you disagree, you know, that's okay. Search the scriptures and you feel free to write in and let us know that you disagree. But uh, you know, do that with the same level of, of respect that we're going to do our best to show you. Speaking of writing in, uh, Tim, you run a website. I run a website. We've already got a ton of questions to pull from. I thought let's jump right into one of the questions that came in from Jason. Is that all right with you? Yeah, again, as long as it's not a hard one. <laughs> okay, here we go, buddy. What happens to children when they die? Will God save them? Is one of the questions that Jason had. What do you think about that? Uh, can we do an easier one to start off? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start with controversy right. right away, apparently. Well, right. I, I think we can, we can, right up front, we can say that the Bible doesn't specifically spell this out for us. You can't find one verse that says, here's what happens to a child when they die. You know, if, if you could find that, I think the answer to this question would be a lot easier, and you wouldn't find so much disagreement among Christians. But um, here, I think it would be safe to say that most, most Christians agree that they hope God would save the, the children. Do you agree with that, Eric? I would I would certainly hope so. Yeah, that I, would be my hope. I mean, he's not willing that any should perish. He wants people to come to repentance. He, he desires people to, to be saved. So this is obviously talking about either a child that hasn't reached some age of accountability or even somebody, I think, of those that... Uh, that die before birth, things like that. So, Right, and the Bible doesn't use that phrase, age of accountability, but is, is that concept taught? Well, let's take a look at several passages here, and I'm not starting off with my best one, okay? I'm going to try to build a case for you, <laughs> try to get you thinking the way that, that I think about this issue. Um, but again, some Christians will disagree with this answer. Some, some of them will say that, you know, obviously we all agree it's in God's hands, he knows, but um, some people would say, well, it depends on if that child was, um, you know, if that was one of the elect or not. And uh, some people would say, well, did they trust in Jesus or not? And uh, the, you know, that's a little tough to ask that question when, the, if it's a stillborn child or something, you know, where they don't even have an opportunity. Uh, but let's take a look at some passages and see if we can come to a, a, a relatively safe conclusion. Second uh, Samuel 12, verses 22 and 23, this is where uh, David's son uh, with Bathsheba, their first son, 
died. He was just seven days old. And, you know, the story David had sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery, you know, had her husband killed in battle. So here he murders a man and he uh, steals the man's wife. And that child that they had together, the first one died. But while he said this, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept for I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So here's David, somebody who wrote about half the Psalms. In one of those Psalms, Psalm 23, he talks about how he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If he's referring to, you know, the eternal state, if he's, if he's thinking about, hey, I'm going to be with God forever, and he says he's going to go to his child, but his child will not return to him, maybe what David is saying is at least he's expressing his belief that that child is also with God, and David knows someday he's going to be going with God. But he could just be referring to, no, the child's in the grave, I'm going to go to the grave too. So you can't build a watertight case from that verse, but I, I think we can start from there and at least show that maybe that was David's hope. Uh, but another one is Isaiah 7, and we know verse 14, this one we talk about usually at Christmas time, because that's the one that says, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, and shall call his name Emmanuel. But the next two verses say this, Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that you dread will be forsaken by both her kings. So this speaks of an age. It doesn't say when he's eight years old or nine years old or ten years old. But it talks about before he knows to refuse the evil and choose the good. Is that talking about an age of accountability? Is that saying there's a point in, in somebody's life when God does not hold them accountable? for the actions that they have? Possibly. I, I do find that one interesting, Tim. And and I know you're answering this question, but just while we're going through this and the very concept of an agent of an accountability, that in itself is something that a lot of people will say, oh no, the Bible definitely says there is one. It's 12 years old, you know, or it's when the Jewish, uh, the Jewish uh, people celebrate a bar mitzvah for a young man or something like that. So you're saying, really, there's there's no verse in there that absolutely gives us a, an age of accountability. Right. There, there's not a verse that gives us an age of accountability, at least as far as saying this is the age. And, and if there is one, yeah. I, my guess is, is that it corresponds to puberty in some way. You know, when a person is physically becoming a man or a woman, that is when uh, they, I, I think they're going to start to be held accountable. So it, at least if they ever reach that point mentally, you know, you might have mm. people with severe mental um, handicaps that, that don't ever really reach that level and, and maybe they're not held accountable. That's if this view is correct. But um, but there's other verses as well uh, that, yeah, that, would, that would speak to that. So uh, you've got the verse in, in Matthew, uh, Matthew 18, 10, where Jesus told his disciples not to despise one of these little ones. You know, he brought a little child to him and, he, and he's speaking to the disciples and he talks about how a person has to be humble like this child and, and to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, not to despise a child because in heaven, quote, in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What does that mean? Mm. Well, it depends on which commentary you look at because a lot of people have a lot of different <laughs> views. But it, it's just an intriguing thing that, that Jesus makes a comment about children and their angels always seeing the face of God who is in heaven. If nothing else, we have to say that, that God is supremely interested and knows all that is going on in the life of that child and uh, it seems to fit very well with what we've been establishing so far but yeah i, I, I think of i i'm sorry to interrupt i think of that passage when he says suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven mm -hmm. it sounds like there's going to be a lot of 
kids in heaven. Yeah, and maybe they won't be. That, well, that's another question for another time. Maybe maybe they won't. They <laughs> may not look like children when they're there, but they may have been children on earth, and uh, maybe they are fully mature at that point. But again, that's another question that people ask. But I, I really think the strongest one for this question comes from Revelation chapter twenty. Verses 11 through 15 is what we call the great white throne judgment. Now, Christians have different views on who's going to be there. Is it everybody? Is it just the wicked? We're not even getting into that right now. What we need to see is what this passage says, starting in verse 11 of Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. By the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So Eric, the people that were judged and sent to the lake of fire, how were they judged? They were judged according to his works. Right. Each person was each judged according to their works. If you have a child who dies in the womb, if you have a two-year-old child or a four-year-old child, can we really picture them being at this moment and God telling the unborn child, sorry, I'm going to send you to the lake of fire for all eternity for your works? Which which works? Yeah, you cried and you kept your mom up and were disobedient, therefore. <laughs> right. It doesn't. No, I, I, that doesn't yeah. seem to fit the character of God. I, I think... To me, I can't, I can't understand how a child could be there. Here's what I will say to, to wrap this this answer up. Uh, and again, I know Christians, we disagree on this. This is why people ask this kind of a question, because <laughs> it, it, there's not a clear answer in Scripture. I think this verse is about as clear as we can get. But um, in Genesis 18.25, we have the passage where uh, God comes to Abram with the two angels, and he tells them that... Um, you know, two, the two angels go on to Sodom to get Lot. And yeah. Abram tries to reason with God. He says, look, if there's 50 righteous people where he spit their city, 45, 40, 30, and he takes them, you know, he keeps bargaining. And before he does that, he says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you shall not the judge of all the earth do right. And I think that's what we need to keep in mind when we're thinking about who God is. The judge of all the earth will do what is right. And when that, I think we can apply that when it comes to, you know, the child who dies in the womb or the, the, the infant who dies. You know, it goes back to this concept. And again, this will be another question for another time too. But why do we die, Eric? Well, it goes back to Genesis because Adam sinned. The reason that a child can die the reason that death is in this world is because Adam rebelled against God and brought death into this world. I don't believe that we are held eternally accountable for what Adam did. We're judged because of what we do. And that's what Revelation is talking about. But we do die and we do suffer because of what Adam did. But our eternal destiny is not based on Adam's sin. Does that make sense? It, it, it really does to me. And I think this is very helpful. And I think it's it's wise to say, like what you've done. Here's the verses. Strongest one, if you're taking notes, was that Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Uh, but at the end of the day, we just don't know. So we trust, just like it says in Genesis, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And so this, and I, and I think there's going to be a lot of questions that are similar to this, where there are principles in the Bible, and that at the end of the day, we say, hey, we just don't know some things, and it's okay to let people know we don't know 
when we don't know. Well, I really do know. I'm just saying that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, hey, uh, Tim, tell them uh, about your background just a little bit, a little bit more. You just got one answer from Tim. Uh, kind of go into a little bit more about what you've done in your different roles, because I know you've done several different areas of ministry, and it's been pretty intriguing. You hit that quickly, but can you hit that again real quick? And then then if you just kind of tell them where we're coming from, uh, kind of who we are. Uh as, as far as our, our beliefs and what angle the answers are going to come from. Yeah, well, Eric and I both belong to ministries that stand on the authority of the Word of God. Uh, Eric's from Creation Today. I'm from uh, Answers in Genesis. But this show is not representative of either one of those ministries because there's going to be times that we get into issues that uh, that these ministries don't. They're focused on the issue of creation. So the question that we just covered isn't necessarily going to be something that these two ministries tackle. So just so you understand right up front, uh, when I'm doing this program, um, my answers are not necessarily um, reflecting what Answers in Genesis might say, largely because it, they, they will go beyond the focus, the scope of that ministry, and would say the same thing for Eric at Creation Today. But um, it, we're both uh, conservative evangelical, I guess, if you want to put a label on us. We believe in the full deity, the full humanity of Jesus Christ, that he's the second person of the Trinity, that um, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that scripture is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God, and that it cannot be broken. So that's where I'm coming from. You know, the Bible is my authority. I believe that it is uh, not just for areas of, of faith and practice, but that it is true in whatever area it speaks to. So if it talks about science, if it talks about history, it's going to be accurate. But it's not a science book. And it's not specifically a history book, even though there are many books in the Bible that are historical books. But the point of it is not to just tell you history all the time. There's more than just history in the Bible. There's more than just science. So that's that's where we're coming from. Uh, you'll learn a lot more about us if you continue to listen. And uh, I could talk yeah, about myself all day, but I don't want to do that. If you're coming from another uh, uh, view, if you are a Catholic and you're listening to this, I think you're going to find yourself getting a great perspective from the, what Tim said, a label uh, conservative evangelical. And if you're coming from something that's outside of that, the Episcopalian or otherwise, uh, there's a lot of different views. We understand that. There's a lot of other religions also outside. We really do think that this is going to give you, uh, Tim is going to be able to explain some great answers to what Christians believe and kind of give you the variety. And I always love, Tim, the fact that you're an educator and talk about what the different views are and then usually can say, here's here's pretty much where I land on it and why you land on that. That's all just part of my plan to kind of trick them into believing what I believe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, no. it's working. Why don't yeah. you tell us if it's well, working? Well, right? even when I was a teacher, there were times where we would get into subjects that, you know, some of my students, it was a non-denominational school. And so there were times where, you know, some of my students wouldn't necessarily agree with my answer. I wouldn't, if I tested them, I wasn't going to mark them wrong if they gave their answer, If they, but I wanted them to be able to defend it. That's what I graded them on is, uh, yeah, they, their family, their church might teach something a little bit different than what the school did or than what I did, but um, can they explain their case for it? And that's what they were graded on. And, and I think we need to understand as Christians that uh, even though we, we don't always agree, we don't always see eye to eye on every issue, if we are united in our, by faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we can... Uh, we can treat one another as brothers and sisters, even if we disagree on some issues that sometimes can be pretty important. You know, that's going to bring up some interesting questions already when you start asking. Somebody needs to send that in, okay? BQA at creationtoday.org 
where's the line, Tim? What do you think? Where do we draw that line? Let's go ahead and figure this out. And you start start figuring Tim out. Hey, Tim, I do have another question before we run out of time on this podcast. Uh, Chris is wondering, what about those who never hear the gospel? And he's wondering, what are the differences between being ex- an exclusivist, inclusivist, and being an exclusivist, restrictivist? <laughs> say that five, I say that five times to, fast. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and try to repeat that question, why don't you? Yeah, what well, are your thoughts? Well, let's focus on the, the second part of that, because what about those who never hear the gospel? Uh, I think we could do an entire program just on that. Uh, maybe multiple programs, and there's going to be different answers that Christians will have. But um, So let me focus on the second question that Chris sent in, and that is, what's the difference between being an exclusivist inclusivist and an exclusivist restrictivist? Restrictivist, Right. So the the question is related to the previous one in some ways, and and like just like that first question, Christians will disagree on how to answer it. Um, But we don't have time to go through every single detail on this one. Uh, so let me just d- define those two terms for you, and I, I think it'll help set it up, uh, what we're talking about. So the term exclusivist, uh, from a Christian perspective, refers to the Christian belief that no one can be saved apart from the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So we deny universalism that every single person will be saved, uh, because it's only through Jesus, who said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So both of these positions that we talk about in this question believe that. Nobody can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So uh, Christianity is an exclusivist religion or an exclusive religion, as opposed to an inclusive one, which teaches that either everybody is saved, that's universalism, or at least some people outside their own beliefs can still be saved, you know, usually if they're a good person. So Eric, if Mormon missionaries came to your door, you know, these young men who are 18, 19, 20, who are called elders. Um, yeah. which, it's a little strange that they would call them elders. But um, if, you know, nice nice guys, and they're sincere, and they come to your door, and, uh, you know, you, you're just not buying what they're selling, uh, for, for lack of better terminology. <laughs> but um, it, what would they say? Would they say that you're going to burn in hell because you don't agree with their beliefs? No. No, they don't, actually. They, they think that, you know, if you're a, a good Christian, you know, somebody who loves your family, loves their neighbor, and, and treats people well, you're going to have a pretty good afterlife. It's not the highest level of the afterlife. You don't get to enjoy everything. You don't get to become a god like they get to, you know, if they're really good. But you still have a pretty good afterlife. In fact, the only people who are going to really have it rotten, the only people who are going to end up in perdition, you know, the, 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 who are going to be the sons of perdition, are, are the people who leave Mormonism and people like Adolf Hitler, you know, they're, they're the people who are going to have it really rough. But everybody else, you know, they're all right. And so that's, in a sense, that's an inclusive view. But um, that we're not talking about that when we're answering this question. So what's the difference between the exclusivist-inclusivist and the exclusivist-restrictivist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second group, the, the restrictivist one, argues that the only people who will be saved are those who know about Jesus. They know the gospel message that he, that he died on the cross for their sins, that he, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, that, that they've heard that and uh, they specifically call on him to save them. So not only is it that Jesus is the only way, but they also have to know that part of the message. They, they have to understand the gospel in some way. So they, that's the exclusivist restrictivist. The exclusivist inclusivist kind of answers that question, at least they attempt to answer that question, what about the proverbial native on the island who's never heard the gospel? Right. You know, can can they be saved? So if missionaries have never gone to them, if they've never heard, well, the approach that the exclusivist inclusivist would say 
is that, you know, the people who hold this view would still say, yes, Jesus is the only way to God. It's only because of what Jesus has done that anybody can be saved. But for that proverbial native on the island who's never heard, if they respond appropriately to the light that God has given them, I'll just use that terminology. People can argue all day long about exactly what that might be. But how uh, much light? Right. Yeah. How exactly. much they have to have. That, that's not where we're going. I'm just trying to define the view for them. Um, if they respond appropriately to the light that God has given them, then he will save them. For example, Romans 1 tells us that anyone can know about God uh, and his existence. They can know about his eternal power and his divine nature just by looking at creation. So if that proverbial native on the island looks at the world around him and says, you know, this doesn't really seem to match what I've been raised to believe, or, you know, I think there must be a God who made everything and I want to serve that God, then, you know, God will, some people would say God will reveal himself to that person, whether it's through a dream, whether sending through a missionary or whatever it is. Uh, Some people in the inclusivist camp would say, no, they can be saved just by calling out to God, even if they've never heard the name Jesus. Some people within that camp would say, no, God will send a missionary or God will communicate with them via a dream or a vision or something so that they'll know the name of Jesus. So there's differences even within these camps. But that's that's really what this question is after. It, it's, it answers that question or attempts to answer the question, what happens to that, the people who have never heard? Could they still be saved? One side says, well, no, if they haven't if they haven't heard about Jesus and what he's done, then they can't. That's the restrictivist. The other side says, well, maybe it's possible if they respond appro- appropriately to the light that God has given. So restrictivist, you got to know about Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection for salvation specifically. Inclusivist, the exclusivist, inclusivist would say it's exclusive to Jesus, but he gives some leeway there. Uh, right. It's I've only be, it's taught. only because of what Jesus has done. It, it's not because this person's earned it in some way. It's not because they right. they were sincere but Hindus or sincere Buddhists. Okay. But yeah, it's because they. It's only because Christ has died on the cross for their sins, and they have trusted in whatever light God has given. That's that's what the inclusivist would so say. So still exclusive to Christianity, but inclusive inside of Christianity, saying God could do something. Okay. Well, I, I I'm thinking back to my days of growing up in church and the thousands of chapel messages that I heard and the hundreds, thousands of sermons that I've heard. And I go, I've been presented with both. And I don't know that I've ever really allowed those two to touch in my brain and go, wait a minute, which one is it? So are you going to give us an answer on this one? Or are you just telling us what the two different ones are? You know, he just asked what the two different ones are. I think that we should. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Dude. That's all he, he didn't gotta... say which one's the right I... one. Um, I want to know well, which one do you think you know what, it based w- on your studies. And I know you'll get people on different sides. That's why we're talking about this. But I'm curious what what kind of conclusion you come to here. Well, we're out of time. So come back oh, next week. Oh, <laughs> man. Catch us next week for... <laughs> well, here's what I will say. Um, the God of all the earth will do what is right. How's that? Just like we answered that for the sounds previous. Sounds like the la- the one we answered last. Man, week. I should See, I should run for. I, I think I'd have to. I should run for political office. That answer, right? <laughs> Being politically correct here. Um, no, you're right though. At the end of the day, I, I can't tell exactly which one it is. I mean, I you, you would put yourself in the same boat and say, I don't really know. As long as we're going with the exclusive, Jesus is the only way. The Scripture is very clear about that. Yeah, I I do favor one of these. Uh, you know, maybe about 80-20, but um, I, without being able to develop it in much more time, I don't really want to uh, give okay. my position on this. Not going to give it away. Not, so not at this point. Yeah, we want them to be Bereans. Yeah, we want them to be Bereans and study for themselves. So. <laughs>
Well, Tim, I know that's just two out of a number of questions we already have, but uh, friends, if you're listening and you have a question that you're wondering about or want to go into one of these subjects deeper, send us an email at bqa, for Bible question and answer, bqa at creationtoday.org. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be something that's really in-depth either, you know, don't because we got the one from Chris. Uh, thank you, Chris. You know, it's not like we have to have one that has all this technical terminology. We don't, it doesn't have to be that. It could be something very basic, you know, like the one Eric. If you ask like Eric asked, York, I'm your man. I, I got you, dude. I can answer that one. I right? think I've written more about Noah than anybody else in history. <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but uh, yeah, at least anybody in the last 50 you years. You do have uh, three novels out there, the entire Ark Encounter. Uh, yeah, you've got Noah down pretty pat. So if you got a question about who built the ark? I'll answer that. And then anything else about Noah, uh, Tim, I'm going to throw your way. All right. That sounds like a deal. <laughs> hey, some other questions that have come up that we'd love to hit in future episodes are your unwritten questions so far. Please write those to us. Uh, but things like, are there uh, authentic secular writings about Jesus? You know, what are the what are your thoughts, Tim, on the faith of Constantine uh, the Great? Is he Was that real Christianity or was that just a political maneuver to unite the empire? Uh, how does the Trinity function? Boy, that's that's going to be a good one right there. If you can explain to us how the Trinity functions. We've got some great uh, questions. I know you're going to enjoy these podcasts. Yeah. Why did you have to mention that one? <laughs> you have to be so careful whenever you're talking about the Trinity that you say one little word wrong and, and you're a heretic. Yep. So I'm going to have to write that's out. I, moralism. That's moralism. Yes, right. you got to be careful. Yeah, I'm going to have to write out my whole script and read it slowly for that one. <laughs> Well, friends, thank you guys so much for joining us for this first edition, first episode of the Bible Q&A podcast. Tim, thank you for uh, taking the initiative to to do something like this and letting me join you. I'm going to enjoy the learning experience all along the way. Well, thanks for jumping on the bandwagon. I'm kidding. (laughs) Thanks for agreeing to be part of it. I'm looking forward to it, and I think we're going to have a good time. And uh, thank you for listening. See you next week. You've been listening to the Bible Q&A podcast. If you have a question you would like Tim and Eric to address on the program, please send an email to bqa at creationtoday.org. The views expressed on the Bible Q&A podcast do not necessarily represent those of other ministries with which Tim and Eric are affiliated. Thank you for listening.